Good morning, everybody. My name is Shannon Davis, the Omega Man, and uh, welcome to the broadcast. We're going to get started here in about a minute. We've got Michael Cummins, first up, coming to you from England today. Today is Tuesday. No, excuse me. Today is Wednesday. I'm sorry. Wednesday, June 28, 2023. I'll tell you what, shows this week's going by fast. Yeah. I've got all the shows uploaded for you. Uh, go and check them out. Go to our website, OmegaManRadio.com. You're going to find the Podbean archives. And we have two archives on SoundCloud, but people are not really finding them. So maybe I need to put those back on Podbean. But Podbean, for sure, is here to stay. We've got uh, an upgraded account there, so unlimited uploads and bandwidth. And getting some good response from Podbean. Okay. We're going to have Michael Cummins, John Gogan, Speak My Word, and Augusto Perez today. Hope you enjoyed. Shouts out to Fred and others tuning in out there. We've also got uh, a second way to tune in in addition to MixLR, the IceCast server. Right there on OmegaManRadio.com. Okay, here we go. Let's go ahead and get started. We are dialing. Stand by. Good afternoon, Brother Michael. How you doing? How, how are you doing? It's nice to hear from you. My friend, likewise, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, good. Drink, drinking some iced cappuccino and uh, ready oh, to go. That's, that's lovely. That's lovely. <laughs> um, I took my wife to work earlier and I, I had a chocolate milkshake and it was very nice. It was ice cold. Oh, man, those are good. Um, yeah, very nice. By the way, what's the weather like uh, in june in england is it hot or cold over well, here yeah it's been very hot it's been it's been the hottest june in history and uh the temperatures have been over you know 31 32 that sort of temperature and uh today it's very overcast there's not much sun but the humidity is is very high wow that is hot Okay. Yeah, and I, I've got I've got the fan on. I don't know if you can hear it. I hope it won't disturb the recording. No, sir. But I've got the fan on in the room to chill it off a bit, you know? I don't hear it at all, and we want you oh, to well, stay cool. Oh, well, that's good. So no worries. <laughs> well, okay. everybody, we're excited to be here with Michael Cummins. Uh, Brother Michael, would you like to open us in prayer? The mic is yes, yours. Yes, I certainly would. Dear Lord God, we welcome you. We praise you. We adore you. We glorify you and magnify your holy name. And we welcome you here today in spirit. Holy Spirit, please be present with us today as we speak to all the listeners out there listening to Amiga Man Radio today. And we pray you will touch them from the tops of their heads to the soles of their feet. And you will give them word of knowledge, discernment and wisdom today on the subject we talk about. And may we praise your holy name. In Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour's name we pray. Amen. I say amen to that. My friend, we got the next hour together. Take it away. Thank you. Well, I've decided in the next few weeks to talk about some different subjects that are still to do with deliverance, but are a little bit 
offbeat. We're going to be talking about fortune telling. We're going to be talking about hypnotism. We're going to be talking about horoscopes. But today I've chosen a subject which to a lot of people might be quite spooky and quite scary. But we're going to look at necromancy today. And I'll spell it for you in case you've never heard of the word. N-E-C-R-O-M-A-N-C-Y. Necromancy. And what necromancy means, it is a practice of communicating with the dead. And it's as simple as that. The Bible was told us, God has told us, that it's an abomination to try and communicate with the dead. But in the life I've had now, I have met loads of people who have been nice people, kind people, decent people. But they don't think there's anything wrong in trying to communicate with the dead. I worked with a guy called Roger once and... Me and Roger walked together when I worked together when I was working as a plumber because I'm a plumber by trade. And it, we were talking once and he said to me, what do you do when you have a problem? How do you deal with it? I said, well, I usually speak to the Lord. I usually pray to God. If I can't get an answer to a problem, I pray to the Lord. I said, what do you do then? And he said, I go upstairs into my bedroom and I talk to my mum and dad. So I said, how do you talk to your mum and dad? He said, from beyond the grave. I said, well, your mum and dad are both dead. And he said, yeah. I said, do you talk to them? Yes, he said. I ask them a question and they always give me an answer. And I said, how can you be sure that you're talking to your mum and dad? And he said, oh, for the things they know about me. And I thought, this guy's in trouble. And he wouldn't hear that it was wrong or he was taking any risk by doing this. And he's one person that I've met in my life who believes that necromancy or talking to your dead ancestors, your dead relatives, he thinks there's nothing wrong in it. Let's go on to say some people try to summon the spirit of their dead loved ones for advice and help in times of trouble. Necromancy is an abomination to the Lord, according to many scriptures in the Bible. And first of all, I'm going to start with a scripture. I want you to go to Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 to 12. That's Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 to 12. And this is the Lord speaking to the priests, to the Levites, before the children of Israel go in to the land that they have been promised, the promised land of Canaan. And he says in verse 9, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found amongst you any who maketh his son or daughter pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. 
So when the children of Israel entered the land of Canaan, the people who was living in those lands, they were practicing necromancy. Now, I know that you may be, anybody out there may be a spiritualist and you may go to a spiritualist church. In England, after the Second World War, spiritualism and necromancy met record heights because many people lost their husbands, of course, and women lost their sons in the Second World War. And a lot of the times it was sudden, for argument's sake, if an RAF pilot went up in the Battle of Britain, he may have seen his mother in the morning and he may have gone into action at lunchtime or in the afternoon, he may have been shot down over the English Channel. And of course, the mother would get a telegram saying her son is lost, believed killed, and she would be anxious. She never said goodbye to him. She never spoke to him before he died. And Satan will put temptation in people's path. Go to a fortune teller, go to a spiritualist, hold a seance, invite a necromancer there and see if they can contact the spirit of your son. You see, to many people, it sounds reasonable and it sounds like you've done nothing wrong. But you see, God hates this sort of thing. God hates it and he won't stand for it at all. Let's have a look at what it says in Leviticus 20, verse 27. Let's see what it says. Because we need to get to the bottom of this. Leviticus 20, verse 27. A man also or woman that hath a familiar spirit or that is a wizard shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. God treated people like this very badly. You see, what actually happens, I believe, when people go to spiritualist churches, <clears throat> and I've had people argue with me and say that I'm backward and I'm living in the Middle Ages. But one thing I do know about spirits that all through our lives and the lives of our parents and the lives of our grandparents, even our great-grandparents, they make a note, they make a record. Satan has a computer and he makes this record of all our data, all our details. So when someone goes to a spiritualist church or goes to a seance or goes wherever they go to try and contact the dead. Someone will call up to the spirits, usually the leader in a spiritualist church or an elder, and he'll call up and he will get a message come down. Let's give you an example. Say uh, a boy's named John and John's trying to contact his dead brother who died in the Second World War. And the leader of the spiritualist church says, is there a John there who died in the Second World War? Well, of course, there was thousands of Johns in Britain, America, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa. Everyone who fought 
for the Allies. There'll be thousands of Johns. And the leader will say, I have someone called John with me at the moment. And he said, give us proof that you know this man who is in the church today. And he may come out with something very, very personal that only that man would know. It might be his middle name. It might be his nickname. It might be his favorite football team. And how that happens, because familiar spirits, they are sent in the place of our dead relatives. They are sent to deceive us. And they deceive us by drawing us into the occult through necromancy. And before you know it, we have familiar spirits. We become a channeler. And these spirits can channel through us. You've, you've seen this sort of thing in films about seances when all of a sudden uh, the woman with a familiar spirit or a man with a familiar spirit, the medium, will talk in other languages and talk in other tongues almost as if your actual brother is there. They can make themselves sound like it. That is the trickery. That is the scheming. That is the deceit of familiar spirits. And they're there to trick us. They're there to keep us into the occult. One of the saddest things I do remember is many years ago, when I left the plumbing industry, I was a financial consultant and I arranged mortgage mortgages for people and I arranged a mortgage for this couple and they had a lovely young boy there he was about two and I've never seen a boy so physically strong he used to play football with me in the living room and he could kick a ball like you've never seen a young man kick a ball and he was funny and he would laugh and he was jovial and I thought he was fantastic I arranged the mortgage for this couple and I kept in contact with them because one of uh, the parents and the other parent had started going to church. They started going to a Methodist church and I was pleased for them. And I used to go around there and give them some scripture and tell them about Jesus. One day I got a phone call from the father and they'd put this young boy to bed the night before. Nothing was wrong with him and he died in the night. When they woke him in the morning, he was dead. And they put it down to what they call cot death in England. Naturally, they were both distraught. Could you imagine this healthy young boy who was so fit and strong and he died in the night? Well, he said to me, the, the father, the husband, please have a word with her, Michael. She's gone to a spiritualist to try and contact him from beyond the grave so I did speak to her and you see she'd been led astray by these people these mediums this woman had told her don't worry I'll contact your son from beyond the grave and you'll be able to speak to him I'll make contact with him and you'll be able to speak to him I tried to tell her though this was a tragic event that had happened and Though I fully understood how heartbroken they were, I couldn't, in all honesty, advise them to go to a spiritualist or a medium 
I said, there's such dangers. I pointed out to her that I doubted very much whether they were talking to their son. I said, but I think you could be talking to a demon, uh, a familiar spirit who's pretending to be your son. And of course, that upset her greatly and she stayed away from me. I spoke to her a couple of times, but her husband said she was determined to, to, to go on this course and try and contact her son from beyond the grave. So that is the danger of it. We've got examples in the Bible. Let's have a look at 1 Samuel 28, verses 3 to 25. This is the story of Saul of Tarsus. And I'm going to read all this now because it's worth hearing the whole of it. So it's 1 Samuel 28, verse 3. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had lamented him and buried him at Ramah, even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and wizards out of the land. And the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together. And they pitched in Gilboa. And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek a woman that hath familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment, and he went. And two men with him, and they came to the woman by night, and he said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring him up, whom I shall name unto thee. And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done. He hath cut off those that have familiar spirits, and the wizards out of the land. Wherefore then, layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Paul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring me up, Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. And the king said unto her, Be not afraid, for what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw God's ascending out of the earth. And he said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, an old man coming up, and he is covered with a mantle. 
and Saul perceived that it was Samuel. And he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. And Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God is departed from me, and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called thee, that thou mayest make known to me what I shall do. Then said Samuel, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord is departed from thee, and has become thine enemy? And the Lord hath done to him, as he spake by me, for the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand, and given it to thy neighbour, even to David. Because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executest his fierce wrath against Amalek. Therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. Moreover the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the hands of the Philistines. And tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons be with me. The Lord also shall deliver the host of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Then Saul fell straightway all along on the earth and was sore afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten no bread all the day nor the night. And the woman came unto Saul and saw that he was sore troubled and said unto him, Behold, thine handmaid hath obeyed thy voice and I have put my life into my hand and have hearkened unto thy words which thou spakest unto me. Now therefore I pray thee, hearken thou also unto the voice of mine handmaid and let me see a morsel of bread before thee and eat that thou mayest have strength when thou goest on thy way. But he refused and said, I will not eat. But his servants together with the woman compelled him, and he hearkened unto their voice. So he arose from the earth and sat upon the bed. And the woman had a fat calf in the house, and she hasted and killed it, and took flour and kneaded it, and did bake unleavened bread thereof. And she brought it before Saul, and before his servants, and they did eat. Then they rose up and went away that night. Now it turns out that uh, Saul fell on his own sword, and his sons was killed, and they were buried under a tree. Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name... I apologize for that. (laughs) That's okay. Don't worry about that. I hit the wrong button. Folks, we're live with Pastor Michael Cummins. This is a powerful teaching today on necromancy. Keep going, my friend. I apologize. Anyway, you can see Saul. You can see what a hypocrite Saul had become and how the Lord had departed from him and then he himself had a demon, an evil spirit living with him because he had cast all the necromancers, all those were familiar spirits, all wizards and witches. He'd cast them 
out of the land, and yet he told his servants to find the witch of Endor had a familiar spirit. And he called out Samuel. Now this scripture that I've just read, dependent on what your belief is, is very disputed within Christian circles. Many people believe that he did actually bring up Samuel for the, from the dead. But Samuel was a mighty man of God, and Samuel was truly a man who didn't break God's rules, who observed all God's commands and was a holy man. So I asked myself, would God allow a witch with a familiar spirit and soul to bring up Samuel from the dead? I don't think so. My personal belief is that what came up was a familiar spirit. You see, this woman had a familiar spirit and Saul had a demon spirit. So it would be very easy for the familiar spirit that the witch of Endor had and the demon spirit that Saul had to communicate with Satan or communicate with one of the generals of Satan and bring up a familiar spirit. And as we know, the familiar spirit told Saul basically that his time was up. His time was up. And as we know, uh, Saul and his sons were killed and basically Saul's bloodline was destroyed forever. And when God, a lot of people don't understand what God does when he went into the land of Canaan. And like God said to Saul to kill all of the Amalekites, uh, he also included King Agag. And Saul decided, well, I'll keep the best cattle for myself. I'll let King Agad live. God, of course, was angry because Saul disobeyed God. And he took the anointing away from him. You see, any anointed man of God, if he decides to lean on his own understanding and disobey God, or he decides to go out and commit mortal sin, shall we say take drugs, commit sexual sin, look at pornography, then God can take that anointing away from him and he can be filled with a familiar spirit, a demon spirit, an evil spirit. And that's what happened to Saul. So you can see why necromancy is so terrible. You see, we shouldn't be disturbing the dead. We shouldn't have anything to do with the dead the dead are dead we shouldn't pray to them of course we remember our family fondly we have great memories of our family but we that are in Christ would never think of calling up the dead we would never think of doing it we would never consult the dead because all our lives are in the hands of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. That's why we contact the Lord our God if we have any needs at all. We would never contact a dead relative. And it brings into question necromancy. It brings into question what happens to the dead after they're dead. Hallelujah. Let's have a look at the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verse 5. 
Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers up on the children unto the third and fourth generation of those that hate me. And I believe these curses, and here's a curse necromancy, when you contact the dead. When you contact the dead, you will have a visitation. Now I've got two scriptures that I want to give you from Leviticus. Let's have a look at Leviticus 19 verse 31 and then we'll look at Leviticus 20 verse 6. Leviticus 19 verse 31. It said, Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. You see, what these things will do is defile you. They'll change your way of thinking. The things that God has told you not to do, you believe that maybe God's got it wrong. And, you know, especially in Africa, and we'll be talking about West Africa in particular, they believe that even after their family are dead, their fathers, their mothers, their grandfathers, their grandmothers, they believe they stay in the family. They believe they don't go away to judgment. They believe they're there. And we'll talk about that later. Leviticus 20, verse 6, says, And the soul that turneth after such as have familiar spirits and after wizards to go a whoring after them, I will even set my face against that soul and it will be cut off from among his people. We're really, really taking terrible risks if we believe we can play with familiar spirits and contact the dead. I've been amazed by the English people and ordinary people, not people who have any background in witchcraft or any background in spiritualism. They're people usually who cannot deal with grief. They cannot deal with the loss of their family. And they're not churchgoers. A lot of these people are just ordinary people. They're not churchgoers. So they have no way of knowing how to deal with their grief. So spiritualism and necromancy is the way that they deal with this grief. Let's have a look at Isaiah 8, verse 19. And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep and that mutter, should not a people seek unto their God for the living to the dead. We should always seek after God for whatever we wish to know. We shouldn't seek anyone but God. As you know, when we're talking back about Saul and the witch of Endor, Saul was speaking to God. He was praying to God. He was offering sacrifices. But God had departed from him. He was so wicked that God had departed from him. And he was on his own. Let's have a look at Isaiah 19 verse 3. And the spirit of Egypt shall fall in the midst thereof, 
and I will destroy the counsel thereof. And they that shall seek to the idols and to the charmers and to them that have familiar spirits and to the wizards. So you see, God is against this sort of thing. God will not tolerate it. He never tolerated it in the day of the Bible. And in these so-called liberated days where we live in, where people really do what they want to do, God shall not tolerate it today. Let's have a look at 2 Kings 21, verse 6. And he made his son pass through the fire and observe times and use enchantments and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. He wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Usually in those days, people that made their sons or daughters pass through the fire were worshippers of Molech. Molech was a Canaanite god who wanted a sacrifice by fire. It was said that Moloch was a demon that had a huge opening in his stomach that was a fiery furnace and children were thrown in there when they was offered up to sacrifice. Now you know, we should leave these things alone. These things are in the history of the world. People still practice them. And I cannot understand why people don't have the fear of God. Because anyone who practices these things will certainly go to hell. Let's have a look at First Chronicles 10, verse 13. So Saul died for his transgressions, which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not. And also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. Hallowed. Verse 14 I'll read. And inquired not the Lord, therefore he slew him and turned the kingdom unto David, the son of Jesse. So you can see God was very angry with Saul. And he punished him severely. And I think that punishment is still the same today. For anyone who seeks after familiar spirits. Should we be afraid? No, certainly not. I've confronted many of these things in my life and I'm certainly not afraid, would never be afraid. And now the last scripture in this section is First Timothy 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit speaking expressively, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Let's have a read 2 and 3. Let's continue. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanded to abstain from meats which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused. It is to be received with thanksgiving. Verse 5, For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So in the latter times, in the times we live now, which we call the end times, when we believe Jesus may be back at any time, 
we know people are deserting the faith of Jesus Christ, deserting it, and they are chasing after the doctrines of seducing spirits. What is a seducing spirit? Well, a seducing spirit is exactly what it says. You may, may have no intention to do what you're going to do. I've known this for a man who said he was a Christian. He had a local garage, petrol garage near him. And on the top shelf, he had porno, pornographic books there. And he might go in there to buy a packet of sweets or buy some chewing gum. And he found himself gazing on the top shelf. Well, a seducing spirit is saying to you, go on, pick it up and have a look. It will do you no harm. There's beautiful women there. You know you want to look at them. There's nothing wrong in that. God won't be angry with you. God created woman to be enjoyed by man. And the next thing you know, this man is picking up the pornographic books. He's looking at them. And the next thing you know, he's ringing me and asking me for deliverance. I prayed for this man for five years and I probably prayed for him every other day of the week probably three or four times a week and he would keep saying he was going to change we would try and find churches for him he would promise to go and he never went and he's contacted me lately and I've given him an ultimatum I've said have you a church near you I said you can come to me in London if you wish he lives in a place called Worthing on the south coast of England, about 60 miles from London. And I said, you can come and see me on Sunday and I'll pray for you and take you through deliverance. But I said, I understand you've got a church about two miles away from you, which is a bus ride from you. I said, uh, why aren't you going to that church? And he makes pathetic excuses. You know, I'm beginning to think he likes sin, that he's consumed with sin, and he doesn't want to give sin up. So I've stopped praying for him now. I prayed for him five years and he hadn't changed his way. And we must realize that familiar spirits, seducing spirits, are there to trick us. They're there to deceive us. They're there to make us sin. And the sad thing apart about necromancy is the people don't think they're sinning when they try and contact their dead relatives. Now, let's talk about the situation in West Africa. Uh, I used to look after three churches. They was all Ghanaian uh, by race, and uh, this used to come up all the time. I remember a woman who was an elder in a church in London, and we saw great growth in this woman from when she'd given her life to the Lord and how she'd progressed in the church. And she went to Ghana uh, for a, a funeral. Somebody in her family had died. I can't think who it was, but she went. And when she came back from Ghana, somebody rung me who knew her and was very sad. And I said, what's the matter? They said she went back into her old ways, her old traditional ways. In Ghana, so I rang her and I said to her, "What have you been doing in Ghana?" And she said, "Well, I put food out of the grave of my dead relative." And I said, "Why have you done that?" He said, "It's our tradition." Now I said, "The gospel of Jesus Christ is far greater than all of our race, all of our traditions, and all the things we do." 
And I said, why did you put food on your relative's grave? And she said, well, we believe that he's still there. And we believe that when we've gone, he will come down and feast on the food. And she said to me, it's like this. He liked pizza. So I put pizza down at the grave. And I said, that's an abomination towards the Lord. So why do people do this? It's not only in Africa. That's the thing I know because I've preached in a lot of West African churches. I'm sure all over the world. What, 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 why do we do this? And I remember a testimony somebody told me when he was growing up, he regularly witnessed the dead being consulted in his family. And it was a reality of his background. He came from West Africa. He believed that God will now punish these people for doing this. That Christians should ask God or consult God for protection and guidance. The misconceptions that lead people to consult in the dead. This is the first one. As I said before, people believe that the dead remain as part of the family. They are very active in working with the living to make those living prosperous, to see that the prayers of those living, who they're related to, are answered. They believe that they can play this active role and be a blessing to the family, even though they're dead. People believe this. In many areas and parts of Africa, people believe that the departed remain in the family. They remain living with the living, impacting on the lives of their descendants. Death is only the end of human life. They don't have to go to their final resting place. They can stay within their families. This leads to pressure for those who live. Pressure is put on by other members of the family to consult the dead. There may be a young man or a young woman in that family who want nothing to do with necromancy. They don't want to consult the dead. They don't believe in this thing. But they are being forced by others in the family to do it. The dead protect the living. It is believed the dead live on after death. They're responsible for protecting their loved ones. And they are engaged by witchcraft and other things. They bring blessings as employment, a great harvest for farmers and a guidance for their descendants. The, the living will consult the dead through the spirit medium and that spirit medium is called Shona or Shona, S-H-O-N-A. That is the spirit medium that goes into a trance and speaks to the dead. They seek advice, the living do, of these mediums, how they can best appease the dead. One way is to leave gifts at the grave to leave food, to leave things that 
those dead ancestors liked where they was in the world. That's the first thing. The next one is, the dead will avenge their deaths. They are avenging spirits, which are called Maia Winagosi. Maima Winagosi. And I'll spell that for you because my uh, Nigerian is awfully not very good. M-W-E-Y-A-W-E-N-G-O-Z-I, Nagosi. And that's in that religion of Shona. Scary moments when they consult the dead. People that are giving them problems in their lives. We call on the dead to seek avenge. Also, the dead will seek avenge on the earth if they died at the hands of others mysteriously uh, they will need to appease malicious spirits though the spirit mediums can pray for the malicious spirits to come and take revenge on the dead there's something similar to that in Europe which we will speak about in October it's called Halloween we'll speak about the true reasons of Halloween they believe that God is unapproachable. It is believed that they cannot approach God. So they will approach the dead. Because God is so great, and God is so powerful, and he is so far away that the ordinary man cannot contact him. But they do contact Satan, the god of this age. And he deceives them as he attempts to wrestle control from God. And he will control these people's lives forever until they realize that the practice of consulting the dead is evil. And they are involved in disobedient idolatry and idol worship. And they need to get some help. Now there's some other things I'd like to speak about. A play on the word of necromancy. There are people called necrophiliacs. And there's been a couple of famous ones in England. There was a man in the 1950s called Christie. He lived in a part of London called Notting Hill. And he lived in a road called Rillington Place, number 10. And he was a special constable in the Second World War. But he was a perverted man. He was married and he had a wife and he lived in this house and he used to let off the rooms in the top of the house to make a living. And he was a very intelligent man and he was a very crafty man. And naturally in the war there was an awful lot of young ladies that unfortunately became pregnant. Those times it was quite prevalent. And he would say that he knew how to do terminations. In other words, abortions. And when his wife was out, he would lure these young women who were pregnant back to his house and he said he could do a simple termination on them. And he would take a liquid called Friar's Balsam, 
Now, Friar's Balsam is a sort of menthol and eucalyptus thing. It smells very good and it clears the uh, silences out if you breathe it. And he would put this in a bowl and he would put a pipe into it that was uh, directly from the gas. And at that time it was town gas and town gas was highly poisonous. And he would then put a mask over these women's faces and they would breathe in the mixture of town gas and friar's balsam and of course it would make them unconscious and kill them within a few minutes uh, John Reginald Christie as his name was then made love to the women when they were dead and this practice is, is called necrophilia and he was called a necrophiliac he had a young couple moving upstairs a uh, a young woman from London and a man from Wales who had a small baby. And the lady got pregnant upstairs and Christie said that she couldn't live there anymore. Uh, they'd have to tell her to go. And remember, property was in a premium in the early 50s, just after the Second World War. And he convinced her to have an abortion. And he did the same thing to her. He mixed the friar's balsam with the town gas. She became asphyxiated and he made love to her. He also strangled her as well because she wasn't quite dead and he strangled the baby, the small baby. And unfortunately, the man who lived upstairs, whose name was Timothy Evans, was actually arrested for killing his wife and his daughter and he was innocent. And Christie gave evidence against him and that there was a trial at the Old Bailey and he was hung, I believe, in Pentonville Prison in London. And many years later, uh, a West Indian who had moved over from the Caribbean, he moved into that house and he wanted to decorate it. And as he took wallpaper off the wall, he found the bodies of women uh, everywhere, hidden beneath the walls, down the drains and all sorts of things. And there was a massive... Uh, looked for Christie all over Britain and he was eventually captured and he was put on trial and he was hung uh, for murder and he was a necrophiliac and the only good put about this story Timothy Evans the Welshman who was hung falsely he was given a posthumous pardon but it was a terrible terrible thing uh, Latter-day necrophiliac and someone who was believed to be a necrophiliac was the famous DJ Jimmy Savile. Now, we worked for many years for the BBC and worked for many private radio stations. And as you know, when he died, all this came out about his paedophilia. And he was probably the most prevalent paedophile in Britain. And people gave witnessed that he worked at a hospital in Berkshire called Stoke Mandeville and he had access to the morgue and they said he had sexual contact with some of the cadavers, the people who were already dead. This is an awful thing. I cannot think of more things more satanic than this. This is so satanic, it is unbelievable. There is one God and one mediator.
and you can read that in 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. Consulting the dead is a terrible thing to do. Nowhere in the Bible do we see God commanding his people to do so. He forbids it. We've read Deuteronomy. We've read Leviticus. God tells people that when they think they're contacting the dead, all they're doing is worshipping evil spirits. This is a terrible thing. Let's have a look at Hebrews 9, verse 15. Hebrews 9, verse 15. So when we need mediation between us and God in times of trouble, or when we're seeking protection, we should turn to Jesus. He is our perfect mediator. Let's have a look, as we said, Hebrews Hebrews. 9 verse 15. Hallelujah. Let's read this now. It's right at the back of my Bible. I'm there now. Hebrews 9 verse 15. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance hallelujah so we should turn to Jesus only when we have anxiety fears and the pressures of life let us draw near to God with great confidence let's have a look at Hebrews 10 19 to 22 hallelujah Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the vow, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with the pure blood. Hallelujah. Only our faith in Christ continues after death, for he lives forever, and he is forever there to intercede. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 5 tells us, the dead know nothing. Consulting the dead is contrary to biblical teaching about the dead. While it is true there is an existence after death for both believers and non-believers, there is no relationship between the living and the dead. Those who die in Christ will be in the presence of God. They will live on with God eternally. Let's have a look at the Gospel of Luke, Luke 23, verse 43. Let's have a look, Luke 23, verse 43. Hallelujah. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Jesus promised that to the robber. Let's have a look at, 
Philippians 1, verses 21 to 23. Let's have a read of that. These are the promises that Jesus has made to us, and his promises are steadfast and true. So I say to everyone out there, don't practice anything like this. Necrophilia, don't practice it. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labour. Yet what shall I choose? I wot not. For I am in a strait between two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Hallelujah. To be with Christ is far better. Non-believers will be separated from God, awaiting their final judgment. He who goes down to the grave does not return. He will never come back to his house again. Thus death is final, and after death no one can return to life. Death is final. Necromancy is a terrible sin. We must not have anything to do with it. We must never consult the dead. Never. I believe by doing this, you're making yourself to have an idol. That's said in Exodus 20, verse 4. You shall not make yourself an idol. Let's have a look at that now. Exodus 20, verse 4. As we come to the final words on this. We'll be doing other teachings on hypnosis, on stargazing, on horoscopes in the weeks to come. Exodus 20, verse 4. Thou shalt not make unto thee a graven image or any likeness of anything that is heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. When you practice necromancy, you are making graven images of yourself. Believe you me, anyone who practices it, they will not come in all hatred. I've got a terrible story to finish off with. A lady in Belfast in Northern Ireland that I pray for now. When she was eight years of age, she lost her grandmother and she liked her grandmother very much. And for some reason, she would pray for her grandmother of a night at the end of her bed before she went to sleep. One night, she would tell me today, if she was here with me today, she would tell me. One night, a grandmother appeared at the end of her bed and stroked her hair and told her how much she loved her. And the lady, who's in her 50s now, she would speak to her grandmother and she would tell her grandmother how much she loved her. This went on for a number of weeks. Then her grandmother started telling her to do things that scared the child and the child was reluctant to do them. One night, the child said no to the vision of her grandmother and the grandmother turned into a hideous demon and terrified the child so badly. As a result of that, uh, as she grew up, 
she was demon-possessed. She first went into Roman Catholicism, believing that would be the way out. She went to many other practitioners, hypnotists, all sorts of people, not necessarily people within the church, and she got thoroughly, thoroughly demon-possessed. She started engaging in all sorts of sins, sexual sins, drug-taking, and these were the times in Northern Ireland in the 70s where there was great trouble between the Protestant UDA and the Irish Republican Army. And eventually she came to me about 10 years ago. She asked me to come to Belfast and stay in a home with her and her husband. I did stay there. It was the scariest place I'd ever been in my life. And even having a shower when I did in the morning, I believe something was standing behind me and I turned round very quickly. The house was full of demons. She still rings me most days. She's been to every deliverance minister of any quality in Britain. She's been to the United States a couple of times. She's been to various places. And demons are all over her. And I've been fighting these demons for many years. And these demons used to ring me up, ring me up during the day, ring me up in the night and swear at me and abuse me until I got the better of them. Now they won't have nothing to do with me. But she's had nervous breakdowns. She has had all sorts of things go wrong in her life. And now she's struggling to make headway on a daily basis. I believe she paid the price. It was never her grandmother who contacted her. It was an evil, familiar spirit that came to her. She has parts in her life, this woman, that she can't remember. And these are the times where she engaged in witchcraft. I prayed to the Holy Spirit. I prayed to God on many occasions. And the only thing I pray for is that God has not turned away from her forever for some of the things she's done in consulting familiar spirits. Please be warned, anyone out there who has been involved in this sort of thing, contact me, ring me up, I'll give you my details later. We'll pray to get you set free. You must be delivered from these familiar and evil spirits. Necromancy is a way to hell. Have nothing to do with it now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That was a powerful teaching today. Wow. With Pastor Michael Cummins. My brother, excellent word. And give out your contact information. How do people reach you, and how can they support your ministry, Brother Michael? Well, if you want to reach me, if you have any deliverance needs, of course you can reach me. My email address is frame, F-R-A-M-E, Cummins, C-U-M-M-I-N-S, or one word, uh, 123 at AOL.com. If you contact me, I'll send you my Skype ID, and we can, you send me an invite, I'll accept it, and we can speak on Skype, and hopefully get you set free from all these problems if you want to support my ministry I do have a PayPal account that you can also reach on that email address framecummings123 at aol.com I'd love to help you I want to do what I can to set the captives free please don't hesitate to contact me
I love doing what I'm doing on Amiga Man Radio and we want to see the captive set free. Please contact me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brother Michael, a real honor to be here with you. Folks, uh, tune in again next time uh, for more with Pastor Michael Cummins. We'll see you next week, my brother. God bless you. Lovely to be with you. And my love to you and all the family and my love to all the listeners. God bless you all. Thank bless you very you, much. Friend. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Folks, let's get Brother John Gogan on. That was a powerful teaching. I'm going to get it uploaded for you right now. Okay, stand by. Here we go.